Just a quick editor's note, there's some mild swearing in the episode. Just wanted to give you a heads up. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the one-on-one with one and only sports podcast. I'm your host, Theo Juan. You're listening to season two of the podcast, where we're going to look at the stories and lives of the players, coaches, and personalities that make up the world of Ultimate. Each week, I'm going to talk to a new guest. We're going to talk about their journey into Ultimate, what their life in Ultimate looks like, their most memorable Ultimate games, and a fun rapid-fire segment to end the episode. If you like the podcast, I would love for you to subscribe or follow on whichever podcast platform you use and get the word out about the podcast to others. You can drop a review on a platform like Apple Podcasts as well. That would be greatly appreciated. Truly appreciate all the support. And new episodes come out every Tuesday. This episode is brought to you by the Pocket AT. Ever want to have your health-related questions answered whenever you have them? Look no further than the Pocket AT. It's like having an athletic therapist with you 24-7. It's a free informational hub that provides you with everything you need to know about your health, including rehabilitative exercises, advanced sports-specific exercises, proper ways to stretch and foam roll, mobility exercises, nutrition, and a bi-weekly blog that discusses the most commonly asked questions to practitioners. Check out their content on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter at the Pocket AT, and on their website at pocketat.com. Now with all that done, let's go. This week's guest is Nathan Kalakovic. Nathan is best known for his cinematic highlight ultimate videos as N. Kalakovic. Nathan has covered every major Ultimate tournament since 2017. His videos have amassed close to 3 million total views on YouTube with 11,000 subscribers, and his videos can also be seen on Instagram. His video of the 2016 Douglas Bowl between the University of British Columbia and University of Victoria amassed over 4 million views on Unilad's Facebook page, going viral within the week it was released. Before shooting Ultimate videos, Nathan played for Vortex, a juniors team out of Vancouver, and Simon Fraser University. Nathan currently lives in Vancouver, British Columbia. Here is my interview with Nathan Kalakovic. So I'm here with Nathan Kalakovic, otherwise known as N. Kalakovic on your YouTube feed or Instagram. You may have seen some of his sweet cinematic Ultimate highlight videos. So really excited to hear about how he got there to create all these sweet videos and just promoting the ultimate community at large so nathan how are you doing all the way from vancouver i'm doing excellent i'm having a great day a bit of an early morning for me but i'm I'm doing really good looking forward to this interview yeah i appreciate that i know uh west coast time you know it's a little early out where you are so do appreciate that so let's first talk about how you got into ultimate everyone knows you for all the videography you've done and photos but you first started as a player, so maybe explain to the audience what you did as a player first and how you got involved in the sport. It, it started back in uh, 2008 when I was in grade 8 in high school. I was playing basketball, and I actually lost a bet with a friend to go try out for the Ultimate Frisbee team, where I ended up playing for my high school for two years. And then in the third year, our school team didn't have enough people to host a, didn't have enough people to host a team, so I had to go to the next closest school to play, which was about 30 to 40 minute walk. I go every single day 
I'd either skip my last class or if I had a spare, I would take that time so I could go make practice on time. Yeah, I played then, I believe in 2010, I did my first tryout year for, for a club team called Vortex. There we played at Flower Bowl and, uh, and I saw a player from Seattle Sockeye who did a insane layout catch, which I actually have on film. And it was the first layout I had ever seen in my life. And it just absolutely hooked me to the sport. It was probably the most insane thing I had ever seen. So from there, it just turned into an obsession, really, at, at that point. Yeah, and in terms of the obsession, were you just consuming a lot of Ultimate content then and just playing every chance that you could? Is that kind of what you were doing as you were uh, growing up there in the Ultimate scene? <laughs> so at that point, I, I actually didn't know anything about Ultimate Media. Of course, there was like Ulti Village going around. Uh, there's some stuff with uh, UPA. To be honest with you, even like right now, I don't really know how much content was really out there at that point. But as for playing i i did play every chance i get i i brought a frisbee with me everywhere i went i was throwing every single day and yeah i, I, was, I was really obsessed with it just trying to improve and then it, it got to the point where i was able to captain vortex in 2012 yeah so that was that was kind of just like how i like practice and improved and like even up until like 2012, I didn't really know much of the ultimate scene outside of just like my high school or my club team. That's cool. And then you ended up playing for SFU as well as some other club teams there in Vancouver. So what was that time like for improving you as a player at that point? I want to say I improved. <laughs> so in those times, like I was getting better at the sport. The issue was I I got addicted to hucking and as anyone's gone down there it's a it's a dark hole uh you just can't stop hucking every time i go play or practice i got a, a reputation for hucking a lot and throwing up a lot of 50 50s so that that kind of like hurt my reputation and any chance i really have for making making any like higher end club teams that's if you like got a couple friends who like ran the team so even though I was studying at a different school, I was still able to go play for them. Yeah, but I never, I never really improved past, uh, past what I did in high school. <laughs> That's okay there, Nathan. You're uh, known for something else now in the Ultimate scene. Are you still playing? Like, when did you transition out of Ultimate and move more into the media side and covering the sport? So I think my official transition was a year and a half ago. That's when I kind of decided that I'm not, like, I'm still going to try out for club teams, but even if I do make club teams, I'm not going to play. I had a talk with one of my friends, uh, John Haley, who's a, like, world-renowned coach, awesome player, uh, <laughs> until until a few years ago, um, where I, like, actually got to know him, and not not just as, like, an opposing coach, but he, he's, a, he's a really, really good guy. He talked with me and he said, like, there's going to be a point where I'm going to have to choose between, like, my two passions because they collide and they completely overlap. I'm either going to have to go in and pursue video or stop filming as much and fully commit to playing Ultimate. And it was it was uh, that kind of, like, hard conversation that, like, I had to have where I'm, like, 
I, I love filming. Whereas, like, when it comes down to it, I love playing. But it makes me way happier to film and to see other people happy and enjoy my content than me to actually play. Because there's always options. I can always play League, which I still do. Or I can go to, like, random tournaments with my friend. But playing competitively, it yeah, that transition happened about a year and a half ago officially. Well, uh, happy retirement, I guess, from the club scene there, but you're not uh, retired from uh, videography. Of course, you're just getting started. So can you walk the audience through your first major tournament or game? The first one where you started taking pictures and you were like, hey, I, I really want to do this. Maybe not. You didn't even have a vision of maybe doing it full time at that point. But what was the first major ultimate thing that you did in terms of video and uh, photography? To be honest with you, I, I don't know what would have been like the first major, like, I think the first, I guess, major event I did that, like, I started filming, at least, was when um the Vancouver Nighthawks, they had the first ever professional ultimate game in Vancouver. That that would have been it. Yeah, because I, I was planning on taking photos there, but, but I didn't have a media pass. So I had to take photos from the stands, but the lens I had at the time couldn't zoom in far enough like to get good pictures so i was like oh i'll just record the whole game because that's cool and then my memory card wasn't big enough to record the whole game so i had to record short clips here and there and kind of like after every point or after every recording i would have to like delete the clip and then so when i came back home i was just like i don't have enough to like record the whole game so I guess I'm just going to make a highlight video of it. That would have been like the first ever, I guess, major event video-wise. And then photo-wise, it would have been in 2011 when I was still playing for Vortex. I remember I was shoot, I was taking up while I was playing. One of my teammates had the most insane layout view. Like, even to this day, it's one of the craziest layout views I've seen. I just remember seeing Jeff Bell. He, he's an insane photographer. Yeah, Jeff Bell had got a photo of it with a 300mm 2.8, I believe. And it was, it was just one of the most beautiful things that I've, I'd ever seen. So I was just like, damn, I want to try something like that. So when I got home, I think that's when I had bought my, my like first DSLR. And then, yeah, I think, like, that's, like, the first event where I was, like, I fell in love with photography, even though I wasn't taking photos, except for, like, I had a point-and-shoot on me. So I was using a point-and-shoot for, like, taking photos of my friends. But, like, that was the moment, I think, where I, like, fell in love with photography. Yeah, that's definitely cool, and maybe stories people haven't heard of in terms of your journey. So that's pretty sweet. I was just going to say, I don't think I've actually, like, talked about that. Like that, like that moment where like I saw the photo from Jeff. Yeah, so you heard it here first, yeah, right on the podcast, or uh, the one on one with one and only sports podcast. You heard it here first, Nathan's foray into photography and what inspired him. And in terms of your previous knowledge and experience, did you have knowledge and experience of photography and videography before you kind of got into this? Did you have any like formal training, or you kind of learned on the job, as they say? So my grandma was always. She she liked bird photography, 
So she didn't have any, any crazy camera, but something I like I enjoyed going out with her. I didn't understand how to use a camera. I always enjoyed taking photos like again with this little point and shoot camera. But then when I finally bought like an actual DSLR, I used it for a bit and then I went to my one year of university where I took like a photography course. But it was all based on just like generic photography. It's not something like I really was into. And then I I think after that, like the following season at Douglas Bowl, which is a yearly event where UBC plays against UVic. I can't remember if I was filming or taking photos, but regardless, it was like, it was pretty bad photos or videos. And once again, Jeff Bell was beside me and I sat there and I just like, oh, I, I must've been taking photos there. Yeah. So Jeff Bell was sitting beside me. We were just like talking, like, trying to nerd out as much as I could. I can nerd out way more now. But he pretty much, in about half an hour of shooting beside him, I had learned more than I had learned from, the, like, the full year of schooling I did. So a lot of what I learned with Jeff in that, like, half an hour has been applied even now and through my photography and my video. Like, a lot of that, I, I have to give the credit to Jeff Bell for that. Big shout out there. And in terms of your videography, we all know and, and see these videos both on Instagram and YouTube. But do you remember your first video that you did that really kind of, as the cool kids say, uh, blew up there on the, on the media side? Do you remember your first video where there was a lot of views and you're like, man, people actually want this stuff and maybe I could really do something with this? There's two. So the first video was Douglas Bull in 2016. That video, I randomly submitted it to Unilad, which at the time had like 13 million followers. So it's just like, I'm just going to do it, whatever. And they shared it that night. And in five minutes, it hit 25,000 views. By the next morning, it, it had hit 4 million. So those weren't my my personal views, but it was just like, it was the first time that that video had been seen. by like, my work was shown, I guess, worldwide. Yeah, I'm going to see if I can find that video because I'm pretty sure I've seen it, probably. <laughs> oh, it's, it's deep. They, they, like, they reshared it. Yeah, like, if you can find, like, the original one that they shared, that would be sick. I think last time I saw it was, like, 4.3 million. And then the other video was later that summer when I went to the World Juniors, and I filmed the World Junior Ultimate Championship Finals, and it was pretty sick because I was, like, one of the only people filming there or taking photos. So I made the, the video. And it was funny because like when I was editing it, I actually did a full edit, washed it through. And then the site that I was getting the music from, once I finished it, I uploaded the video to YouTube. And about two hours before I was going to post it, they uploaded a different song, which is the song I'm currently using. So I was just like, I don't care. I've just put in like 12 hours into this video. I'm using this song. So I downloaded, scrapped everything, reset everything, and just like fully re-edited the entire video. Oh, wow, wow, wow. And then it's like right now, I think it's at uh, 134,000 views on my YouTube. And that's been the video that people have been like been using to, to share. Yeah, just to share around. It's, yeah, it's, it's sick. <laughs> yeah, it must feel really good as well. And 
just a side question here. When you went to that World Juniors Championships there, did you go on your own dime? Like, you kind of just went on your own, you got a media pass, but did any organization send you, or you kind of went as yourself? Oh, God. Okay. Uh, so, this is this is the, this is the story. <laughs> so, I'm going to say there was three events that almost made or break me filming. This was, I think, the second. So, what, what happened was, a couple of my friends were going to Poland. It was in Poland. So, flights to Poland were about $2,000 at that point. And I'm going to tell you right now, I did not have $2,000. I had, like, moved out my parents' house. Uh, I was working at job where I was making, like, $12 an hour. I sent an email out to everyone I knew to, like, try to get some money. And I found one company that was just like, yeah, we're down. Like, we'll pay you. We'll pay for your flights to go. And I was like, that's sick. And they're like, just make the brand sponsored video. So they're like, yeah, we'll pay for your flights. So I get there. I email with Diff and be like, yeah, I want a media pass. They're like, yeah, I should just stop by the booth. So they go. And then long story short, they said, you can't do the branding on the video because we have a contract with another brand that like conflicts. So conflict of interest. Yeah, yeah I get that. <laughs> yeah, there's a conflict of interest. So just, we can't allow you to film like we can't give you this media pass. So I had that was a really, really rough moment because they're like, yeah, you can't film. So there's like two ways I could do it is just like drop the sponsor and pardon my language, but be completely financially fucked. Like, so at, at that point, I'm going to say I probably had like twenty five to three thousand dollars in my bank account. So like it's it ruined me. It, so I. This might have been another bloody John Hayduk moment, straight up. He was the coach there. Bloody John. Bloody John. You're having some good epiphany moments. I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah. What what happened was we had this conversation and it it wasn't like I and like I, I was a young I was like a young person, like even though that was like four years ago. And I kind of had an argument with, like, people at WIFT. I was like, this is, like, total bullshit. Like, paid so much money to come here. Like, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm desperate to, like, keep the sponsorship. So, like, I'm, I think I'm going to film. They're like, no, like, you, you just can't. Like, so I went to, like, like, a pub that was, like, right there. And I had a beer. I was just sitting there, like, what am I going to do? So I was just like, maybe, maybe I can just get my flight changed. I can get home. I can film the AUDL championship weekend uh, that was happening the same weekend. And then I can also film Canadian Nationals. Maybe I can make some of the money back somehow with that. And then John came in and he had a beer with me. And he pretty much said, like, like don't quote me on this because I'm not, I don't quite know. But he said some along the lines of like, like, like shut the fuck up. You're in Poland at a world championships. Fuck the money and just make the best of this experience. There's no one else filming here. So make the best out of it. And that's what I did. I went back. I talked to him. I, I talked to Wifted. I'm like, look, I'll drop it. I just want to film everything. 
Like, I'm going to film everything. I'm going to post everything to my channels. It's going to be dope. And we had talked, signed an agreement with Wiftif, then, like... Hey, you got to sign the big contract, right? <laughs> the paperwork. Yeah. We went off and, uh, like, half an hour later, filmed the opening ceremonies, which was an absolutely amazing experience after that. So that was, a uh, That was a whole thing. It was, a. Uh, very men- mentally strenuous, but it was it worked out. Like even though I, I like I lost all the money from that trip, it it worked out very well, worth it in the end. Yeah, glad to hear once again John Haydu playing an important role in your journey there, Nathan. And then what about? Uh, let's not let's not give him too much credit, okay? Don't give him too much credit. <laughs> we don't no, want to no, no, his no, ego no. too much. That's true. And then you mentioned another moment. You said this is one of your make-or-break moments. So do you want to elaborate on some of the other make-or-break moments for your filming career there? So the first one, I don't think I'm going to mention their name. But, so this was the year before. I'd gone down to a tournament to film in Canada. And basically, there was a large misunderstanding of the use of my photos and video from that tournament. I won't get into the details of it, but basically a person in in the community publicly called me out and had essentially called me like a piece of shit in a very much more descriptive way. And it, it broke me. Uh, it's extremely hard. And that's before I had made any other like major video. I had just done the stuff locally and I pretty much was like, Look, I think that's going to be it. Like, that's... I, I don't want to film anymore. That was, like, one of the most... To, to be honest, up until that point, I think that was one of, like, the most attacked I'd ever been in my life. I took that, his attack on me, not just personally, but, like, towards my work. Well, because he, he, did, he did attack my work as well. Yeah, so I, I kind of was just like, I, I just don't want to ever have to deal with this again. It's easier if I just, like, stop filming. Stop trying to, like, do this stuff. And then that son of a bitch, John Hayden, comes in again. I'm not gonna lie. Oh my god, this, this motherfucker is the only reason I'm still filming. Fuck this guy. I love John. John's an awesome guy. John came in and talked to this person. And then... We got them to remove the public post and actually apologize to me. And then down the road, like three months later, after that person apologized to me, I think we actually had like a, a video call. And now now the guy and I are we're, we're friends. And he usually checks up like he, he doesn't live anywhere cl- close to me, but he, he'll check up on me every year like, once or twice a year, and just see how I'm doing, and just, like, support me. So it's something that, like, almost almost ended my filming career or journey that turned out to be a... It turned out to be a way that I learned, and... Yeah. And then you, you had one more moment, right there, Nathan? Oh, but the last one was, uh... It was a simpler one. It, it, was, it was nowhere near... Like, those two were the major ones. This other one was... When I was in Ireland in 2017, my camera broke while filming. There's like, at the tournament, the winds were so insane, the rain was so insane that it like almost blew me over, knocked my tripod off, 
and my lens and camera just like snapped. So I couldn't film anymore. And I I sat there, I was just like, well, I'm done. Once again, I couldn't like I couldn't afford to to like just casually replace camera gear because like I'm paying for things in Vancouver, which is not cheap. And then there's just kind of a moment where I thought to myself where it's just like, look, I either just like call it quits here, give up, or pull up my credit card, go into some more debt, and buy a new camera. Watch me being the logical person I am, buy a new camera, and then, yeah, continue from there. So it's a lot less dramatic, but it's just like one of those moments where I'm like, well, well, shit. I'm glad I bought the camera. And it was kind of nice the second time I like I bought the same camera, and it was about a thousand dollars cheaper than when I first bought it. So that was that was a big big plus. I think it's actually yeah, is this camera right here? Yeah, this camera. It made it made me, and then it also almost broke me. And Nathan, even just in this interview so far, appreciate all your honesty and vulnerability in sharing about your life. Thank you for asking about that. Yeah, I uh, really do appreciate that. That's. That's uh, when the audience gets to know uh, the guest really well. So so now you've obviously filmed a lot and you've now moved this into your kind of day-to-day gig. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So filming right now is my, my full-time job. Luckily enough, like a year and a half ago, I was able to quit my job and pursue this. And how did that make you feel at that point, just to know that all the hard work, all those moments you mentioned earlier, right? Those three make or break moments. It probably made it all seem worth it then, right? Yeah, so it's kind of a cool experience. So that was an equipment job right before I went to Worlds in Germany. So I had been working at this job, and it was going well. I was making decent money. I was just like, I'm going to take this time off, so I might as well just quit my job and they, they offered it back so it kind of like I guess it never really felt like too real that I was like going into it full-time because I always had something I had a job to fall back on but it was it was an amazing experience like after about a couple of weeks not working I flew to Germany and then after Germany I flew to Shanghai I I literally did like a flight around the world and I I sat there, I was just like, this is, like, I just quit my job, I'm filming full time, and I literally just traveled around the world. And I was just like, that, one, you have to be an idiot to pursue filming Frisbee full time. Thankfully, I am. <laughs> I'm sure the fans thank you as well, and thank you for your, uh, <laughs> for your idiocy there, as you described. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it it was, I don't know, it was a cool experience and just like knowing that like pretty much anywhere I go, I'm like, I have people that are supporting me back home. I have an immense support. So it's just like, yeah, it felt really good. And I shout out to my brother. Uh, my brother is a firefighter in Vancouver and I'm lucky enough to to have a brother like that with a career like that because he he's told me that he's not going to let me go back to working for anyone else. So even though I'm like, I'm struggling a bit right now, he's not going to let me go back and like work for something else. So the community, even if things Frisbee doesn't get going for a while, they can thank my brother for 
making sure I, I don't have to give up on filming. So that's uh, it's pretty sweet. Yeah, more more influence. There's positive influences in your life. And in terms of your filming, you're not just doing Ultimate too, right? You're doing some other photography as well. Did you want to maybe give a shout out to that or talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So my other photography stuff is I do all different kinds, mainly travel and like wildlife photography. I added that into my year re- review video this uh for 2020 just because travel was a big part of my year. So I do that. You can follow me at Kalakovic underscore captures or Nathan Klakovic underscore photography for my other photography stuff my other photography needs and then other stuff I've been doing in 2020 is a lot of uh, food videography and photography with uh, chef Michael Varga he's a an amazing chef so I've been able to do some work with him and that's been a really fun way to like learn and experience uh, different types of filming yeah, that's awesome. And so you're definitely pursuing your passion. So last part of this segment, I'm going to give you a chance, not necessarily ultimate advice here, Nathan, but just advice for people to pursue their passion. Because clearly you've done that. You have focused on your passion of photography and videography. So what's advice you would give to someone else who is on the fence about maybe quitting their job or just even putting a lot of their eggs in the basket of their passion? To, to people following their passion and like going after it, fuck the money. Money is very helpful, but you can't focus on it. Like, first started filming, I was making videos for like packs of goldfish crackers. I'm, I'm, that's not a joke. I literally made a video in exchange for goldfish crackers. Do projects that you love. If you want to go do traveling to do with your work, start filming your stuff and offer to do stuff free or for very low amounts just try to ask people to help like just cover your expenses get your expenses covered and fall in love with it i think that's a big thing and for anyone who's trying to i guess like do anything like creative you're not gonna sleep much either get used to coffee get used to a horrible sleep schedule in like the three years prior to quitting my job i barely slept i was perma-tired most of my friends that knew me after I quit my job and I had actually gone to sleep for a few weeks, they they thought I was they thought I was on drugs because I had energy, but they just hadn't realized for like the three years prior to that, I was in a permatired state. It takes a lot of work, a stupid amount of work and dedication, but I guess yeah, it's like like seven years later, it pays off. <laughs> yeah. And uh, what you just said segues well into day-to-day life, because now the audience can learn, Nathan, about your day-to-day life filming. Let's talk more about, in a non-COVID year, you're going to Worlds, you're going to all these other tournaments, USAUs, maybe Canadian Nationals as well, other world tournaments. So what does your schedule look like then? Okay, so I had two different schedules. So there was, let's go with the 2019 schedule, which was when I had... I'll tell you about, like, two different schedules, because, like, it varied a lot differently between when I quit my job and after, before and after quitting my job. Yeah, yeah, that'd be sweet. Yeah, yeah. Actually, we'll start with before, because chronological order. So, I was working full-time. My my day would start at about 6 a.m. on Monday. Wake up, commute to work. Work started at 7.30. I would take public transit, so I would bring my laptop with me and 
I would be editing on the train for like the hour going to work. Do my work day, yeah, like your three breaks. So my 15 minute break, uh, coffee break, I would usually ask coworkers to grab me some coffee and I would get through about, about 50 photos. I'd edit 50 photos or sort, sort some footage. Work more, lunch break, eat a bit of food, continue sorting and editing, editing footage. Continue working, last break, same thing. The day would end at about 4.30, and then I would transit home again, editing for like the hour on the, the train going home. Yeah, about 6 p.m. and 12 a.m. to 2, 2 a.m., editing nonstop to get videos done. And then, like, of course, like, I'd eat there, I'd do a bit of socializing, but a lot of my friends around that time, like, they, they know, I'd, like, bring my, if we did, like, a group, activity together i usually bring my laptop and like while we're hanging out i'd be doing a bit of work i wasn't shy about bringing my laptop to restaurants or anything like that either so then like fridays would either be like another day of work or i would i would go travel somewhere or fly fly to a tournament a lot of times if i was working just in close by in the states i would do like my day of work and then i would do a late night flight or something and then I get in super late on Saturday wake up the next morning film 8 to 12 hours of a tournament depending on the tournament for Saturday and Sunday and then I fly home depending if I could make it home Sunday night then I go work early Monday morning or I get home like Monday morning and do a half day of work and that was that was three years of my life non-stop that's crazy <laughs> and it was very physically demanding. Like, I got to the point where I was drinking, like, 8 to 10 cups of coffee a day. And I'd usually have my last cup of coffee probably around, like, 9 or 10 p.m. It, it, it was rough, but like I said before, it was, it was worth it. Now, after I quit my job, it's a little bit different. Whenever, like, I go to a tournament, uh, no matter where it is, I try to give myself, like, an extra day or two if I'm in the States on either end of it so I can like show up to a place I can walk around and like get settled in and have some time I also like in terms of flying I bought myself a lounge pass so that I can show up to the airport four hours early and just work in the lounge which if anyone flies consistently it's like it's like 500 US dollars for like the Star Alliance one and it's like Pay for your coffee, your food, you get like a nice place to sit down. Buy it, it's worth it. United, please sponsor me, please sponsor me. <laughs> yeah, so now now it's just I give myself a couple days extra on either end to, to travel and experience a place. So like when I went to Ireland last year, I was in Ireland for about two and a half weeks. So it's been a lot nicer and I'm actually able to get like eight to ten hours of sleep and then a lot of the other times I'm I'm editing, and I don't need to edit all day, every day, because I have a lot more spare time now, which is awesome. I can mess around and do other things. Yeah, I, I know for those listening, they might think, how did you pull that off? Because perm-retired for three years, that's a long time there, Nathan, to uh, to pull that off, eh? Venti Mocha from Starbucks with four extra shots of espresso. That was my daily coffee in the morning. Yeah, and the and the key to your heart there, it sounds like. <laughs> it's not good for your body. <laughs> That's awesome. 
And so, obviously, uh, a little bit of what's happening right now, pandemic, ultimate tournaments being cancelled. At the time of this recording, just learning about WIFDIF cancelling Worlds, both the national team and then the U24s in 2021. How has that affected your life negatively in terms of uh, filming? And obviously, it's going to affect maybe some uh, monetization as well, right? Yeah, money. So, one, early into last year, I was, I was hopeful that Ultimate was getting it going. I, I see myself as, like, a very logical and realistic person, even though I have very illogical and unrealistic goals in life. but. Like, once, like, the Worlds got cancelled last summer, I kind of just, like, I just accepted that it's it's not, like, things are going to get sorted out for a while. So, it was, like, pretty tough. Financially, absolutely horrible. Really, really bad. I, I did the dumb thing, and I expected uh things to get rolling by, like, fall. So, I, I wasn't very cautious about my spending of money bought a new camera so that was that, that wasn't smart is dumb actually <laughs> hey you said it not me <laughs> yeah 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 100 percent. yeah so it, financially very hard the good thing about it though was i got a lot more time to with my friends i did a road trip with my brother like every two weeks again if you like if you've seen my like your review video that was all all with my brother and we got to see some amazing things around this province. And even though, aside like, from the financial situation, I think 2020 was an awesome year. Like, although I miss Frisbee, I think, like, when Ultimate gets going back again, I think you're going to see a new level of athletes. Because everyone's finally had the time to just train and focus, get stronger, jump higher, move faster. And I think the quality of Ultimate, at least the quality of athletes in our sport, is going to skyrocket. And I'm, I'm excited for whenever the heck that happens. I'm insanely stoked for when that happens. It's definitely going to be the biggest party that you've ever seen, whatever tournament that is, be it a USAU's or something like that. So it'll definitely be the biggest party and gathering that you've seen, hopefully uh, done safely, of course. And so now we're going to move to segment three here. I'm going to give you a chance to go back into the Kolakovic archives in terms of your filming. What's your favorite tournament that you've ever filmed? Favorite tournament I've ever filmed was once again in uh, 2016, the World Juniors, the one that almost broke me. But it saved you, it sounds like. <laughs> it saved. It, it, it saved me and made me... Well, it's the only reason like I'm, I'm able to do this. It was the first time I'd ever filmed in opening ceremonies. Kids were just insanely, insanely excited. They loved the camera. And a few of the players, uh, specifically like the, the two twins that were on the women's team, I had been kind of like with them through the journey of like when they like kind of like first started Ultimate, first started playing competitively, all the way up until they won a gold medal. So that was, that was a, an amazing, amazing experience to be a part of. And then I had a couple of my, like, I feel like the other players who play on, like, the Open team, I had also been following since, like, they were very young. And I've been taking photos of, like, some of my first photos were of these players. And then, yeah, moving up to seeing them compete in, like, gold medal game was absolutely insane. Yeah, definitely uh, rewarding there. And I will say, 
one of my favorite videos that I've seen was when you were filming Canadian Nationals in 2015 and 2016, the Junior Finals. You remember those videos? Those, the songs with it were just really good. Yeah. And you just captured the emotions of those games. So big shout out to those videos. Yeah, so fun fact, a lot of the players in that video were people who were playing in the 2016 Finals. So it's just like, I think, I want to say like pretty much every single one of the big plays that happened in that game all those players were playing for Team Canada in 2016. Yeah, that, that was an insanely fun video to make. It's good times hanging out with people, and I'm stoked with how that one turned out. Yeah, well, I am too as a fan there. But Nathan, of course, with good news, gotta be some bad news as well. So, what's the least favorite tournament you've ever filmed? Not tournament, but game. It was the Douglas Bowl in 2016. The video that popped off that hit like 4 million views, it was out at UBC. So I was living in Surrey, which to take public transit out to UBC took, takes about two hours. Oh, wow. I got out there and I was only wearing like a sweater, sweatpants, running shoes, and a hat. So it was pouring rain. I want to say it was like 2 or 3 degrees Celsius. Pouring rain, windy, so cold, and I couldn't feel my hands. I was so miserable. I hated everything about that. I think I cried at one point, and then I was just like, this is stupid. Why am I filming this? And then I think somebody had come up to me like, oh, yo, Nathan, like, thank you so much for coming out. Like, this is, you're ridiculous. And I'm like, that gave me a second one, I think, to like finish filming and then there's like the two hours of freezing cold going home that was horrible to this day i can't think of any other tournament that I, or any other game i've hated filming more than that it was absolutely miserable but then then again i made the video got shared and hit 4.3 million views so that was an extremely negative thing turned into a positive which was i guess it kind of been the story of my life eh? <laughs> yeah it sounds like it but definitely something you've learned from, right? So you probably learned to be more prepared when it comes to filming outside, isn't it? You would think. <laughs> I'll look at the weather and I will always make sure I have like a rain cover for my camera. But I'm usually stuck out, stuck out freezing cold in the rain. I'm usually pretty miserable, but the cameras are good now. Yeah, yeah. so that, that's the main thing, right? Capturing those videos. Yeah. So thanks for sharing those things. We're going to move to segment four here, rapid fire. We're going to do some ultimate related questions first. Yeah. So first one being, what throw did you prefer when you were playing? Your flick or your backhand? Oh, oh no. This is so difficult. Backhand. I can throw it further. What about hammer or scuba? Hammer. I still can't throw a good scuba. <laughs> what about, would you rather drop a pole or drop a catch in the end zone? End zone. End zone catch. Why is that? If you drop a pole, you're the guy that dropped a pole. Dropped an end zone catch is nerves. It's like, it's nerves and you're still in a better defensive position than dropping a pole. Yeah, that's fair. What about at Nationals winning five straight silver medals or just one gold medal? One gold medal. Hot topic question for you. Should Ultimate be renamed to something else? Um, no. Actually, I think it should be stuck with ultimate frisbee because googling ultimate it only comes up with ultimate fighter that's the only reason 
Yeah, or um, FIFA Ultimate Team. That's what I've seen as well. When you're... I hate that. I hate that. No, cut, done. It's over. <laughs> nah, I, I like Ultimate. Yeah, that's fair. What about should Ultimate have referees instead of just observers, game advisors, that kind of stuff? I am on the fence where I like both. I Very controversial opinion here. I like how AUDL has the refs where players can still overturn a call. I think if you tone down the ref's calls, I, I think I think it's very close. I think I like, if you have a game advisor and a ref, I think I would prefer 70 to 80% towards ref. I, I don't like full-on refs. I've never liked full-on refs. I always think players should be able to make the final decision. But I think there's like that 70 to 80% on the ref side that I do enjoy. I like that. I like that. And uh, last one for these Ultimate related ones. Should Ultimate continue to pursue its place in the Olympic Games? Hell yeah. Because I want to film at the Olympics. (laughs) (laughs) You want to get that media pass. Yeah, I hear you. That would be a dream. No, I think like having Ultimate in the Olympics, I think that brings it, makes it so much more legit to be like, look, like this this person is an olympic athlete like i i think saying an olympic athlete yeah not much else needs to be said yeah yeah there's of course professional athletes but like we have professional ultimate players they, they make jack shit i think like having calling someone like m- money aside i think saying an olympic athlete and a professional athlete to me personally olympic athlete holds more legitimacy I've, yeah, legitimacy. Legitimacy, yeah, you yeah. got it. <laughs> yeah, I think saying Olympic is way uh, way more legit. All right, sounds good. And so now we're going to move to some non-ultimate related questions. First one is, I'm going to give you a chance to share a meal with three people in the course of human history. So they can be living or brought back from the dead. So you got to pick three people you want to share this amazing meal with. Oh, easy. Sir David Attenborough. Sir David Attenborough? Or? David Attenborough. And uh, Morgan Freeman. Easy. That'd just be the most entertaining thing. You don't have to say anything. You're just like, oh, one more? Oh, shoot. Stan Lee. I'd put Stan Lee in there. All right. There you go. What about this question here? I'm thinking about your backyard if you have one there in Vancouver. You're going to put on the biggest concert, okay, in Vancouver that Vancouver's ever seen. You got to pick three bands or artists, either bands or artists that are current, still going, or, or broken up, brought back from the dead kind of thing. But the kicker is you got to pick the order in which these bands or artists play for this amazing concert. I think I would go Avicii, Illenium, Green Day. <laughs> okay, I thought you were going to go all... Like maybe just an EDM theme or something, but you're mixing it up. Nah, because like if if everyone's partying, everyone's probably gonna get wasted and they're gonna enjoy a nice throwback rock, like punk rock sesh. I think I think that's the play. All right, I'd enjoy it. Green Day's <laughs> headlining, and uh, you know I I listened to Green Day a little bit back in the day. What's your favorite song from Green Day? I think Saint Jimmy. All right, I was gonna say Basket Case or something. No. Because it's just like in 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 American Idol, where it's just like, or, is this St. Jimmy? Yeah, St. Jimmy. It's coming down across the other way. 
Yeah, I, I love that song. Whenever, even now, like, if I'm just, like, hanging out with friends, and that song comes on, I'm just like, that's sick. Yeah, I was gonna say, I thought you were gonna have just a, a full EDM concert, because your videos, there's a lot of EDM in there, right? A lot of, like, yeah. house kind of stuff. Is that what you think just vibes with the videos, you would say? That is, like, my favorite genre. If I didn't have to worry about copyrights, I think, like, all my videos would have, like, probably, like, Elenium, Avicii, and Chainsmokers. And then I, I just love Green Day. I, I listened to Green Day for about, like, six years straight, like, throughout high school, elementary and into high school. I hear you there. And uh, last question here, the rapid fire. You can't choose ultimate as the answer for this question. So you're going to have all the talent in the world. You can play for any professional organization or individual sport. And you have to pick the position team that you're playing for as well. So what would you choose? I don't watch any other sport besides frisbee. <laughs> you know, you, you know about other sports. So would there, would there be another sport that you would want to try and be good at if you just had all the talent? Probably shooting guard in basketball. I don't care really what team. I don't know the teams well enough. Shooting guard, though, you want to just... you're. It's kind of like based off of what you told me earlier about you wanting to huck. Sounds like you just want to be draining bombs from three-point range kind of thing. Exactly. So I played basketball in high school, and that's the only thing I would do is shoot threes. Rolling off screens and shooting threes, it sounds like. Pretty much, yeah. That's awesome. So, Nathan... Thanks for your time, taking time out of your schedule, as we've learned today. A very busy one, even in 2020, or now in 2021, as we're recording here. So, Nathan, you plugged a little bit of your socials before, but I'm going to give you a chance to plug everything that you have, and I'll make sure to get that in the show description. So, in the audience, if you want to check that out, give Nathan a follow on all those platforms, and check out some cool Ultimate videos, but also some other things like wildlife and travel. Check me out at nklakvik on any social media. Don't bother with Twitter or TikTok because I don't bother. I don't use those. Yeah, honestly, Instagram is probably the best thing if you want to follow up what I'm doing day to day. I do. I usually do tons of stories. If you want to watch me edit on live stream, I live stream on Twitch sometimes at Anklakovic. Yeah, and that's probably a uh, probably Instagram, YouTube, and Twitch are probably my three most used platforms. So if you ever want to find out what the editing process looks like, you can definitely check out that twitch stream as well and i'll leave a couple links to my favorite videos that we discussed in this interview the 2015 and 2016 juniors finals highlight videos those are pretty sweet good music to go along with it so definitely worth checking out so nathan thanks for coming in do appreciate it and wish you all the best my man awesome thank you peace out thanks for listening keep an eye out for the next episode where i interview robin lamy founder and ceo of tokai ultimate In this interview, Robin shares what led him to start a company specifically focused on creating cleats for the sport of Ultimate, and we talk business and discuss what life is like as an entrepreneur in Ultimate. As always, you can follow me on Instagram at Juan underscore and underscore only underscore sports, and you can see some of my commentating highlights on my YouTube at One and Only Sports. Catch you listeners on the flip side. Peace.